Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joining the studio today by Ali Moreno and Shaka. Here's off about 20 minutes ago. It was confirmed. Lionel Messi is this year's winner of the Ballon d'Or, picking up the award for the eighth time. Uh, the debate was whether or not it would be him and Haaland. Uh, in the end, it was the World Cup winner who comes home and wins the trophy once again. Uh, for more on this, let's welcome in, shall we? Uh, Mario Malkios with us. Jules is with us as well. I think who cares about this? Mu- Jules, you, you care about this? <laughs> <laughs> I do care about it. I've, I've told you many times because the players care. And as long as they care, I think we should care. And I certainly care. I love, I love those ceremonies. I understand it's an individual award in a collective s- sport. But you see how much it means to them, how much it means to Messi to win it again, how much it means for all of them to be there. They all turn up in Paris. They don't have to go, especially the one who don't win. But yet they all go because, because they care. It matters to them. So if it matters to them, it matters to me. Oh, beautiful. Do you deserve it, Shaka? Um... Yeah, I, I think so. Listen, I, I, I understand and I, I, fully, I fully support this, that the World Cup weighs heavier than, than every other competition. Yeah. And the fact that he goes, he wins his first World Cup, he's the player of the tournament, without question, I thought, the, the standard performer in a tournament. And while I, I hear all the criticism around, well, a World Cup over four weeks against a, a league campaign over, over ten months, um, that, that's lost on me anyway. I, I, I think the World Cup... Will, will always kind of stand head and shoulders above those other competitions. So I have no issue with Lionel Messi winning at all. Ali? Yeah, it's not a detriment to Erling Haaland at all. It, it doesn't depict uh, Erling Haaland in a poor way whatsoever. It's just a celebration and an elevation of Lionel Messi and certainly his performance in the World Cup. And I'm with Chaka. Right? People will have their own personal opinions as to what the importance of the World Cup is. To me, it still remains the most important competition in the world. Much more important to me anyways than Champions League and a league campaign as well. And so when it comes to this particular award, if you need to separate great from great, which is what we're doing here, we're trying to separate great from great, I think you need to find some reasons, and the reasons to me is very clear. Lionel Messi was the best player for the best team in the World Cup, and therefore he deserves this award. Mario. No, I agree. You guys highlighted it already. I think when we start the game of playing football, everybody can tell you so many different things. But one thing is the, the, the get-go that we all focus on as individuals is representing your country. When you represent your country, you wear a jersey. We sometimes make jokes about it and say it, it weighs a lot. It's very heavy. Why is it heavy? Because you have the pride of the country on your, on your shoulders. And I think when you go to the set you apart in winning that. So when you start your football career, you think only about that. For the ones who didn't win it, including myself, I, I dream of playing for my national team and then winning it. He won it. And that does not take away from guys, I repeat it, Champions League and all of them are great tournaments and you want to be part of that. Because I think any footballer, you understand, when you experience that, the old, old tunes that you hear, the start of the, the the Champions League. But when you hear the national anthem of your country play, I can tell you, you get chills through your body because you know you have to perform. And he won it. And that's why he's one of the greatest. Or the greatest at the moment because there's no one else that did what he did. Uh, spoiler alert, he won't win it next year. Oh. So who will? <laughs> That's the question. Oh, That's an oh. exciting question already, lad. So we've got three men, we reckon. Mbappe, Haaland, Bellingham. Remember, it's the Euros in the summer. So is it just the cases whichever country wins the Euros, if it's France or England, that will define who will pick it up, do you think, Jules? It will have a big impact, of course, like the boys said, it was with the World Cup. But again, let's remind everyone that this is not an award for who the best player at the World Cup was over seven games. This is an award over the whole calendar year. So from the start of 2023 until the end of the votes in October, sometimes in October. This is, this is not just on the World Cup. If you've been the best at the World Cup over seven games, that doesn't give you the Ballon d'Or. Same with the Euros, same with the Olympics, same with anything you want, really. So this, this, this has to be clear. Messi won it. He's the greatest player of all time. We know that. There will be a debate over his winning the World Cup and being very good on those seven games. 
better or harder than over the whole season in a league or in a Champions League campaign? This is a, a very interesting debate, I think. And for next year, of course, the Euros would have a big impact on it if Bellingham wins it and shines with England, if Mbappe wins it, if Musiala wins it with Germany, I don't know, whoever does, a Spanish player, whatever, it would have a big impact. But let's not forget as well that the whole calendar year matters very much as well in the way people are voting for the Ballon d'Or. Hmm. Doesn't matter that much, Jules, does it? Yeah, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> really like matters that much. <laughs> but hey, Messi, was Messi very good in Paris? Be honest. <laughs> Jules has he forgotten was, that he it exists. You mean outside in of the Paris. World Cup? <laughs> yeah, outside of no, the World Cup. Messi is, is the greatest player. But in, in, in Paris, what we have seen over the whole time of Messi in, in, in Paris is not the shine that we are used to seeing of him. Because in Barcelona, what he did, no. boom. No one can talk about that. What he did for Argentina, the World Cup, no one can talk about it. But in Paris, he said it himself too. It was difficult for him. No, for sure. But listen, and, and I'm, 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 well done to Messi. He deserves it. Eden Hazard said it's logical that he wins it. No problem. But if you, take, if you just take the World Cup just for, for a moment, just slightly outside of it, and it's very important because it's the World Cup, of course. But if you take it out, Erling Haaland had a better year than Lionel Messi, you know, overall. Even when Messi was in Paris, and certainly more than since Messi went to America, to Inter Miami. There's, there's just no doubt. Of course, the seven games in the World Cup, a competition that Haaland didn't play in, is, makes a big difference. Of course, of course it does. But I, I was just saying that the Ballon d'Or is also on the whole calendar year, not just, this is, this is not the best player of the World Cup award. This is not, it's not that. So in a way, Ali is saying he was the best player for the best team at the World Cup, so he deserved the Ballon d'Or. This is not true. He didn't win the Ballon d'Or just because of those seven games in the World Cup. Well, certainly he shouldn't, he shouldn't win it because, again, it's on the whole calendar year. It sounds oh, okay. nice, but you have to win the World Cup, my friend, because I think if we speak to Holland, he will agree to. The World Cup is where he wanted to be. Sorry for the, his nation, of course, didn't make it, but this has a big effect on, on whatever because what he did on the World Cup is what almost made us realize like the whole season that we played that we see a diamond shine like that yeah that the effect what Messi did in the World Cup come on now it's the same what went I love the World Cup 1986 why do I remember that Maradona whole World Cup he made me go wow Messi did the same thing and he killed Holland then so I'm talking as a Dutch boy <laughs> so no the World Cup made a big difference <laughs> I, I didn't think we were going to be debating this, but so does Jules then think that Messi should not have won it then? Is that what he's saying? No, 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 me. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying to you, I'm just reminding people the, the rule is not you're good at the World Cup, you win the Ballon d'Or, you win the World Cup, you win the Ballon d'Or. It doesn't work like this. I'm just, this, this is it. I think if you look at Haaland's season overall, his, year, his, his calendar year, he was very impressive. He's, you know, he was very good, he won a treble, etc. I'm, I'm just saying, I understand the debate. A lot of people are not happy that Messi won the Ballon d'Or. I've got no problem with Messi winning an eighth Ballon d'Or, the eighth in 14 years. It's not, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying this is not the Ballon d'Or. You don't win the Ballon d'Or because you win the World Cup, because you are the best player in the best team at the World Cup. It's not for that. It's a big impact on it. But that's not just the reason why you win the Ballon d'Or. Or it should not be the reason why you win the Ballon d'Or. Well, but you, it, say, you say that, Jules, but then the people who vote maybe don't have the same kind of mindset as you. Yeah, maybe, and I completely understand that. And we, we, we repeat, it's a very democratic vote. The top 100 countries in the FIFA ranking all have one vote. One of their journalists, that France football is, has been picked for most of them for a very long time. So we said it all the time. But Henry Winter, for example, the Times football writer, is the, is the vote for England, for example. So you rely a lot on Henry and his knowledge of football and the, the games that he watched and the performance of players that he watched through the whole year to then make a make a, a realistic top five, you know, for example, and not having Shaka number one, Ali number two, Mario oh. number three, U4, and me five. Right? In fairness. I'm glad I'm so about this. So is, this is very democratic. That's, yeah, are you ahead, are you ahead of me? I just did that for you. Because you were behind me in fantasy football this season. But, oh. but this is all. I'm just tripping it. I, I completely understand why Messi wins it. And he's, he's an incredible player. He needs overall a very good year. I just can't understand why people don't understand why he won it this year simply because he was very good at the World Cup. That's all. Who wins it next year, Shaq? Um, in that trio, I think, right now, I think Jude Bellingham is, is yeah. miles ahead of everybody else. Um, mm. Well, 
Haaland and Mbappe as per, as per this graphic. Jude Bellingham, the way he started the season, um, it, it, it'll take some catching. And then, not to kind of double down or regurgitate the, the international um, debate, if England does, does well at, at the Euros, uh, I, I'm not sure it's even worth having, having a vote. Just, just, <laughs> just, just give it to him and, and let's just move hey, on. Hey, everybody, easy, everybody just go to bed early. Easy now. No, I'm Shaq. just saying. I want hey, to go to bed. Have hey, a good night. Jules, Jules wants. He wants a ceremony. He wants uh, a voting. He Jules, wants all Jules, that. Jules just, wants to hey. go and get some freebies. Oh, okay. all. <laughs> all right. Go to bed okay. early. All right. Okay. Uh, but. But again, to the point of that we're separa separating greatness here, and, and two of these guys are playing in the same tournament in the Euros, you can't help but compare how their teams do in the Euros. You, you, you simply cannot help by, if you're looking for comparison and you're looking ways to separate Bellingham from Mbappe, Mbappe from Bellingham, and one of their teams goes longer and deeper into the tournament and goes on to win it, then of course it yes. tilts the conversation in his direction. It has to play a role. It has to play a part, whether Jules likes it or not. Do you think we were actually debating Jorginho or Messi at one stage? Who was debating that? <laughs> what lovely days they were. Uh, let's just confirm the other awards that were given out. Of course, the other big one is the Women's Ballon d'Or. Eitana Bonmaté uh, was awarded that. Of course, a key part in Spain's success in the World Cup. Best striker, Erling Haaland. Emma Martinez gets best goalkeeper. Craig was tweeting about that, actually. Was he? Uh, you can tell it's raining, he can't play golf. <laughs> uh, best young player, uh, Jude Bellingham. Venetius Junior gets Socrates Award for speaking out against the racists in Spain. At Manchester City, no surprise there. Uh, getting the Men's Club of the Year, no surprise either. Barcelona getting the Women's Club of the Year. Uh, we had a lot more questions about the old Ballon d'Or uh, in extra time. Uh, but, uh, you just groaned. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> well, you're on extra time, so it's fine. I'm going to Merley. Check out it on our YouTube channel. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Harlan De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC. Right then, Manchester United currently sit 8th in the Premier League table. They've occurred 15 points in their last, on their opening 10 matches. Maybe lucky to even have that tally. Uh, of course, a lot of criticism thrown Ten Hag's way after their lacklustre, to say the least, performance against Manchester City on Sunday. Now, he was asked on playing the same football we did at Ajax, and he said, we will never play that football. This is also not why I came here. We're playing different football than I showed at Ajax, because I have to, because I can't play the same way. The players decide how you play. We play much more direct football here because I have the players for that here. Oh, good. Here we go. Uh, right then. So, <laughs> Jules is here. That's Mario as well. But let's start off, with, shall we, with Manchester United's number one fan, biggest supporter. <laughs> Always glass half full. <laughs> Sunshine. Uh, Mark Ogden is here. Mark, what on earth is he talking about? I don't know. I think he's making it up as he goes along. I mean, in terms of his... <laughs> 
Well, I mean, look, I mean, he's talking about not having the players to play a certain way. And he, he gives it away at the end by saying they play a more direct style at United. Well, the only way they've had results this year is by simply putting Scott McTominay up front and hitting it long and hoping to get some knockdowns. And that is basically how he's, how he's got his wins this year. So I don't see any kind of plan or any blueprint or any, any sign of progression. Now, there was a little bit of progression last season. They beat Man City in the derby in January. They won the Carabao Cup in, in February. But since then, it's just gone. It's gone off a cliff. And there's no obvious pattern of play he's signed players that are either not playing or not playing well enough he's playing a, a right footed centre back at left back and leaving a left back on the bench I really don't know what his tactics are what his plan is and you know during the game yesterday United clearly had problems on the right hand side of the pitch he did nothing about it so for me he's come to the Premier League with a big reputation at Ajax but I don't see him at any stage having a a game where he's outfoxed a tactical, you know, an opponent tactically, or he's, he's pulling up a great, you know, substitution. I, I just think that the more we see about Ten Hag, the more we're thinking, is this guy really it? You know, is he really at the same level as, as Guardiola, Klopp, Tuchel, Pochettino, Postacoglu? Name them all. I just don't think he is. And I think all those guys have got the charisma as well to match the the job they do. And sometimes you have that charisma, you can sell your projects a little bit better. Ten Hag's got no charisma. He's not selling his projects, and all he's getting at the minute is bad results and it was interesting at the weekend because he was booed quite loudly by the fans for taking off Rasmus Hoyland and booed at the end of the game that's a bit of a first and when that happens you know the results are going against him and the fans are beginning to turn against him he's safe for now because of what's happening upstairs but it's not looking good for Ten Hag and I don't think he can sustain this kind of form for long without inviting the questions about his future why is he safe for now Mark? well because if you look above him at the club you've got people that would ordinarily make the decision are in no place to make a decision. So the Glazers are, are basically locked with an internal squabble between themselves as to what to do with the club. Do they sell? Do they take investment? Do they keep a stake? Then you've got Richard Arnold and, and John Murta, the, the chief exec and the, the football director, who, with all due respect, they know that Sir Jim Ratcliffe is coming in at some point to take over football operations. So they're thinking, well, what is my future here? So their priority right now is to think, what about me? What am I going to do? Am I going to have a job in six months or not? So their focus isn't right now on changing the manager. Because if Jim Radcliffe is coming in with the ability to change football operations, then this current regime, we're not going to change things. So there's a sense of drift. United are in limbo right now because nobody at the club can make a decision or is prepared to make a decision. They've got different priorities. Now, there's a bit of briefing going around that Jim Radcliffe will not sack Ten Hag. He's happy with what Ten Hag has done. I'd ignore that completely because every manager is safe until he's not safe. And as soon as Jim Radcliffe walks in the door, if Man United continue to lose games and fall further and further off the pace, he has to make a, st he has to make a statement, he has to make a change, a, a display of intent. And the easiest way to do that is to change the manager. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen straight away, but if results continue as they are, Eric Ten Hag is really on a shaky situation at Man United. Mark, he had money in the bank, as you say, beat City last January, won the Carabao mm. Cup. We thought, OK, first, and then progress from there, basically. Yet it's regressed so quickly. Why? Look, I mean, in his defence, there have been injuries. You know, Luke mm. Shaw's been out virtually all season. Casemiro's been injured. Varane's been injured. He came. Rasmus Hoyland came was injured. But I just think that, you know, United should have a squad deep enough to cope with those problems, especially when some of the players are talking about didn't play a lot last season, or, or certainly injuries caught with them last season as well. So I just think the players are confused. They don't quite know what he wants them to do. And I think, look at Marcus Rashford, for instance. He's got one goal all season and one assist. His body language is terrible against Man City yesterday. It's been terrible all season. What is Eric Ten Hag doing to get Marcus Rashford back on track? Where's his motivational skills? For me, Rashford looks like Fernando Torres in his final six months at Liverpool. He looks like but why, is that, why is that Ten Hag's responsibility and not Marcus Rashford's, Mark? Well, because Eric Tanag is the manager. He's there to motivate the players and to find a way to get the best out of them. That's his job. You know, he should be finding a way to get Marcus Rashford performing as he was for that three months last season when he was scoring goals. He has to find a way to get the right players alongside him. He's got to find a way for Rashford to find the pass that gives Rasmus Hoyland a chance to score a goal. I just don't think Ten Hag is, is getting the best out of his players because look around the pitch. Which of his players are playing well? None of them. And that's because he, he's, he's not giving them clear instructions. He's not putting the best players on the pitch that, you know, yesterday, for instance, in the derby, he left Raphael Varane out of the team for tactical reasons to play Johnny Evans. Now, I think Johnny Evans actually had a good season at Man United, but it's not Raphael Varane and it's not the derby against Erling Haaland. So he didn't explain those tactical reasons, but that was his explanation that it was a tactical decision. So, and again, he, he explained the Reggio situation and putting 
Lindelof at left back for tactical reasons. Well, what tactical advantage do you get from playing a, a slow right-footed centre-half at left-back against Man City? So he drops these little lines out saying it's for tactical reasons, but doesn't explain it. So if, he's, if, he's not, if we're all confused, I'm sure the players are confused as well because the players are already confused. They're not playing with any clarity. Mario, what's going on? Why's your man gone mad? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I said it from the beginning of the season, right? I said, like, look, the, the situation when, when I think about back home and I go back to the history of where I come from and everything, is that you cannot do what we did back home in Holland and bring that to, to, to Europe. As soon as we cross the border, I think we have to adjust. And I think with this adjustment, I think he, he, last season was season where it was up and down, but he managed to get it over the line. And this season, he needed to adjust. Just as Mark said, come on, when I watched the game, I saw Maguire and uh, Evans playing. Look, you also have to understand, Ferran is, is the guy that has so much experience, and you put two players, they at a certain age, are not the quickest guys. So what are you going to get? Your line, your back line is going to be pushed back. Okay, maybe you say Maguire, I play him so he can play against Haaland, you understand, and have the height at the back. But they're going to push the line back. When they push the line back, there comes a gap in the middle. What happened when the gap came in the middle? That's when City started to boss the game around. That's why the second half was different than the first. Because in the first, okay, you could stay alive, but they're not dangerous enough. If you see, you saw Anthony coming on. He kicked, you know, he, he lashed out you know, to, the, to uh, the kid from... Uh, City that came from Rennes, but you, you're not going to, you don't do stuff like that, come on now, because you also have to remember, eh? this is this comes out of frustration, and this comes out of, because he is doing what you would like to do, you would like to be part of a team that possesses the ball, but Doku is now part of a team that dictates things, he, he, he dictates the tempo, he can take players on, Man United is not playing that game, we have to remember, this Man United that normally controls the game from the uh, get-go and win games. But now they're dealing with another rivalry in their city. And do you think they're happy about it? Oh, man. they oh, I lived in Manchester, believe me. That sensitivity is hard to take for them. So they will really... It's not only going to be about the uh, uh, city winning trophies, but it's also about the respect in the city was always Man United. And now the shift have changed and that is a sour one for them to take. So that's why I am a little bit worried about Ten Hag because I feel like he needs to really step up because when he came to Ajax, he was a defensive-minded coach when he came from Utrecht to Ajax. Now he goes from Ajax to Manchester United and it's a whole bigger animal. So you have to change your tactics and if he doesn't do it quickly, we cannot keep looking at the owners because at the end of the day, it's still going to happen. Like, what do you show us on the field? Because Hoyland and Rashford, I watched them too, I don't think Holland understands to put Rashford in the in the in the space and use his space because he's not using it really really good because I saw that in the first half he cut back and plays the ball safe so he can get the ball delivered in the box you don't want that use the pace of Rashford but that is the stuff that the coach has to see. Jules, what's Ferran thinking sitting on the bench watching all this play out? I don't know, I have to be honest, I didn't understand the choice, I'm sure Rafa himself didn't understand, I don't know if he got any explanation from Ten Hag or not, it didn't make any sense, it didn't make much sense that Mason Mount, who has hardly played really this season, comes on a half time for a game like this when you go down and you need something a bit special and yet you put Mason Mount on the pitch, I think he touched the ball like 12 times in the 45 minutes or 50 minutes that he was on the pitch. So you played with 10 men really when Mason Mount came on, so there's a lot of things on top of what the boys have just said, a lot of things that Ten Hag is doing that he's not helping himself. And for me, the line about I can't play like Ajax because I don't have the same players. When you've just spent 500 million, including 150 million pretty much, on Anthony and Onana, who you had at Ajax, you signed Onana to make him hoof the ball up forward on Holland <laughs> yesterday in that game when he's the best ball playing goalkeeper in the world, maybe, surely. What's the, imagine telling Onana, listen, this is the game plan today, right? You see how good you are with the ball on your feet? Well, all I want from you is just kicking as long as you can, as far as you can, towards Hoyland and McTominay up front and see what can happen from that. I mean, come on now. Anthony has got to epitomise everything that's been wrong with Manchester United for a long time, isn't it, Mark? Well, <laughs> I don't think it's just him. There's plenty of that, that epitomise. I mean, you know, 
Casemiro was signed. He wanted Frankie de Jong and he signed Casemiro because he waited too long to sign de Jong. Now, Casemiro and de Jong are different players. Casemiro hasn't got any legs anymore. He can't get around the pitch. So they signed Sofian Amrabat to play alongside Casemiro, who also can't move around the pitch. So <laughs> he's identifying players that can't run. And what you need in the Premier League is players with energy and pace. So you look at Anthony and, you know, he's, he's got a bit of pace, not a lot, but he's been a disastrous signing. And, you know, Ten Hag will keep defending him because he was, his, he was his target, but they paid way over the odds for him. He's not delivering. And you've got another issue as well with Jadon Sancho. And I think, you know, I'm hearing there's a bit of misgivings about is that situation being managed as well as it could be? You know, Ten Hag really took a gamble there by, you know, outing him as not training well. It, it really blew up in his face. And, you know, Sancho's reaction was wrong. But it's now nearly two months. And again, I get back to what I said before, he's paid to manage these players. He's managed the situation so badly there that he's got a £70 million player that's not kicking the ball. He's just sat there doing nothing. So all these players that have been signed by Man United and by Eric Ten Hag, really, you can basically say that maybe a couple of the players have done well. You know, Martinez has done well, but he's injured now. And I think beyond that, I'm, I'm really struggling to find players that have done well under Ten Hag, apart from Hoyland, who looks OK. But again, it's early days, so... He has to take a lot of the responsibility. Can't keep. Well, he's not blaming the owners, but I think he's happy for the ownership situation to be used as a defence. You know, the owners didn't pick the, the team yesterday, pick the tactics. That was down to him. The big concern, isn't it, that Mark highlights is that everyone that goes into Manchester United seems to get worse. Yeah, and that's not. That's not a good sign for the manager. That's not going to be a good sign for the club. And I have to imagine, if, if you're a Manchester United fan, and, and let's say you're a reasonable Manchester United fan, you knew that there were going to be some issues because of the situation overall about the club. And you're willing to accept uh, some inconsistencies, if you will. A, a tiny bit of inconsistency. But you want to see progression. And I, I think that's fair to expect from the team. And Mark just mentioned that. That same reasonable Manchester United fan, I imagine, last year at some point, was probably laughing at the Chelsea fans and Chelsea as a whole. Manchester United right now are trending much more so in the direction of Chelsea and what Chelsea has become than anything else above them. That's who they're becoming. We're talking about bad signings and players not performing and, and money being thrown around to try to resolve the problem. And that's not working. And the manager's not working. And there's an ownership issue as well. It's Chelsea all over again. And so here's the bad news for that reasonable Manchester United fan. It's going to continue to get bad. It's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. That's a scary thought. What's it like going into training, do you think, Shane? Horrible. I, I, I think everything about it. Um, driving through town and, and, and you're seeing <laughs> Manchester United fans and, and understanding their disappointment and you arrive there and... and Everybody's looking for somebody else to blame. Thankfully, Tenag is there and, and taking the brunt of it, certainly from the outside. Um, for, from a player's perspective, I, I don't think it gets any worse, especially when you're at a club like Manchester United, where the history and expectation dictate yeah. so much differently. And, and, and to, to Ali's point, I, I was thinking exactly the same thing about Chelsea. I remember a month or two ago, I said, listen, despite the spending, we've got to start talking about Chelsea as a mid-table team. And Manchester United are right there now, to the point where I looked, looking at the Premier League table and looking at where Manchester United are, looking at that performance against Manchester City, and there is nobody above them that would be that negative, that directionless. Newcastle were, were very defensive against them and mm. only lost 1-0, but I thought you, you won't see that from Newcastle again. Uh, Brentford, uh, one of the best counter-attacking teams in, in the league, so while they may sit back, you know what, what they're about, their style of play, another criticism of Ten Hags. West Ham, also good on the counter-attack, you saw that against Brighton. So really, if you, if you name of the club apart, spending apart, Manchester United sitting in eighth are overachieving. <laughs> that is how bad Manchester United are. Yeah, and, and to your question about the locker room. When it gets this bad, the tendency in locker rooms is not to come together. No. No. You're looking after number one. Well, it begins to separate. It begins to fracture. When you need the group to be together, when you need everybody to rally around a common cause, when something like this is happening, the tendency is for the locker room to start going like this. People go their separate ways because, indeed, they're looking for number one. And how do I survive this? Not how do we survive this. How do I survive this? And how do I save face in what is otherwise a forgettable situation? 
that's going to be difficult for Ten Hag to figure out. Even, even beyond figuring out what happens on the field, keeping the locker room together is going to be just as tough. Last point on this, Mark. If not Ten Hag, then who? I mean, that, that, is, that is a good question because there isn't really anybody out there you'd think is ready to come into the club. I mean, there's look, you look at people like Robert Zerbi. Would he want to go to Man United right now? I know it sounds crazy, but would he want to leave Brighton for Man United right now? Because you go to Man United at the moment and it's, you know, it's, it's a career cul-de-sac, isn't it? Who comes out of that club better? at the moment nobody so obviously managers have big egos and they always think they can turn the corner but you've got to look at what you're working with you look at the people above you look at the, the squad you've got so I mean United are really struggling you look around that a, a coach that's got a big reputation is going to look at Man United and think I don't really want to go there right now they might just want to wait and see you know if, if the new regime not even a regime is it if the new if the new shareholders come in and do a better job but they're stuck with Ten Hag and I think the problem is I think I think the club is being to look too big for Ten Hag, but there isn't anybody out there that you can say right now is, is equipped to take it on because they're all in good jobs, better jobs. The problem is as well, the challenges continue as we say thank you very much uh, to Mark because it's the Carabao Cup for United. Defending champions, of course, they take on Newcastle at Old Trafford. Uh, that game live on ESPN Plus on Wednesday, as are all the matches of this round, including the likes of West Ham, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Liverpool, Chelsea, Blackburn, Everton against Burnley. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What a first Classico it was. Of course, the one, first one that Ilkay Gundogan has experienced. And interesting stuff from him after the game, which made headlines in the Catalan newspapers. Gundogan speaks clearly. Wake up call. This is what he had to say. How damaging is it mentally for the team, given the stature of this fixture? Um, how easy is it to put it to bed and forget about it? How, how much can it hurt the team? I have to be honest, not as much as I wish, because um, I don't want to say something wrong, to be honest, but uh, I was not in the dressing room and, um, of course, people are disappointed. But um, especially after such a game, such a big game and such a result, you know, that is so unnecessary, I wish more frustration, more anger, you know, and more uh, disappointment. And um, this is a little bit the problem, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, there has to be more emotion, especially when you lose, you know, when you, you know, you can perform better, you can do better in single and certain situations, and you just don't react, and this just transfers to the pitch at the end of the day, and um, we need to, we need to make a huge step in that, otherwise um, Real Madrid or even Girona is going to run away. And uh, <laughs> I didn't come here, you know, to to lose this type of games or to let the gap create, you know. And um, there's also a responsibility from myself, you know, from a more experienced player, uh, to not allow, you know, the squad to just uh, let things happen. No, we need resistance. Player says something interesting in post-match hey! <laughs> interview. Shocker! <laughs> really interesting, Annie. Mm. As a former player, how do you interpret that? Uh, the first time I saw that, loved it. Loved it from Ilhai Gundogan's perspective. Loved the fact that he also assumed responsibility. And this is what he says in that, look, 
I also need to bring that to the locker room. I also need to bring that to the field. It, an experienced player like myself needs to bring that to this group. But I need to see it as well from other players. We can't just accept this. I didn't come here from Manchester City where we won everything to walk into a locker room that accepts losing a game in the manner in which we did. Love it. It, it, it brings leadership. It brings attention. It brings, I think, uh, everybody to rally around a common cause. We were just talking about, about a common cause for Manchester United. Th players can get around this. Now, there may be others that could potentially take it personally. Those guys you can't win with. Those guys that are going to take it personally and say, oh, he's, is he talking about me? Well, if he's talking about you, then, yeah, take it personally and do something about it. Bring it to the field. I love the fact that Ilhe Gundogan did this because he must have felt it that the team needed it. That the team, it, this is not a manager saying it, this is a player, which is, I think, where is the difference here. If this had been a manager, wouldn't have liked it so much because that's a manager hanging out, the players out to dry. This is, a, this is a peer. This is a player. The guy that you share the locker room with, they're saying, this has to matter more. It has to matter more to us now. It has to more, matter more to us in the future. This cannot happen again. When you sense that and when you see that from a player that has won as much as Gundogan has, that drive, you want to make sure that everybody in that locker room has the same drive. I love it. Why does he have the right, though, to dictate how you should be feeling at the end of the game, the way you should be show that? Because this is an emotional game and, and um, those emotions dictate a lot of performances. And to, to, to the... I, I'm, Total agreement with, with Ali. I, I loved everything about what Ilkay Gundogan had to say. But then here, here's where I then start to kind of reflect on, on, on Barcelona. And while we've sat here and praised the youth and the naivety of youth, as, as I've phrased it, and, and how the likes of Gavi, Gavi and, and Pedri when he's involved and, and all these young players, how they just take it to, to this game without a seeming care in the world. And we as, as 18 or 19-year-olds certainly couldn't do that. The... The other side of that same coin is, and, and again, I'm, I'm using Gavi not because I, I, I feel he did anything wrong or Gundogan is, is pointing at him, but he's got another 30 Clásicos to play in, in his career. And it's when you get to Gundogan's age and you realise that every single one of these games matter, that you're counting down these big appearances that matters, and losing them hurts, and, and hurts really badly. And that is the benefit of having experience in the dressing room. So the players are able to lean into that. That when, when someone says you leave it out there in the field, they mean exactly that. This is not about, well, we got through this one, we've got another 29 Classicos to go. It's not. This is the be-all and end-all when, when it comes to your league campaign. And the, the performances and reactions have to reflect that. It's the don't take it for granted. Just because you're 16, 17, 18, it doesn't excuse it. Uh, if you, regardless of what your age is, if you're put on the field, you have responsibilities. And whatever the result is, it has to affect you. And I imagine that he walks into the locker room thinking or, or picturing that people were going to be throwing stuff and everybody was probably just sitting down, just kind of like, ah, well, you know, tough. Yeah. And he wanted to see more. He wanted to yeah. see more. And when he didn't see more, and probably he was looking at specific players that he didn't see more, I thought he took this as an opportunity to tell everybody, no, 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 this is not acceptable. This is not how we're going to win. And if we're going to win, everybody has to understand that the way to win is caring first. Caring so much that it hurts. Caring so much that it, it bothers you, that it, you're not a, you can't sleep that night. Because you can feel it in your soul, you can feel it in your heart. And if we don't have that, we can't win this sort of game. I wish, I wish, I, I, at a young age, somebody had come to me and said exactly that. Because it took perspective. And Shaq is right. It took years to begin to understand that you took it for granted. I took for granted going with the national team when I was younger. And I didn't play. And it hurt the fact that I didn't play. It, it hurt the fact that I wasn't called for a couple of years to that when I came back to the national team, there was no chance that I was not going to be called again because it had to hurt. Well, here it is, Gundogan saying, it has to hurt now so that this doesn't happen again. Go on, Mario. Yeah, yeah you, know, you know, like what the guys are saying also, it's like, look, in a game of football, 
people have to understand that, that when we play professional football, is one of the key things is you try to build a team with full of captains. And sometimes people will say like, oh, the captains, he only wears the armband. No. The captains are also the ones who don't wear the armband. So regardless, if, you, if you're a young boy and you come in a team, you probably don't get that armband or that responsibility yet. But after a while, you're going to tap into that. And I think Gundogan, he comes out of a season where it was performance after performance, so many games in a row. For him to win so many trophies in one season, he needed to be on the game Every game that we're playing. And I think sometimes when you when you play football, I remember like even my, like Ali tapped into his younger uh, time, even my younger time. I had three games I played at the first team of Ajax and I was playing Champions League and ru uh, running to get the title. And what the first thing they said to me after three games, you're not talent anymore because you already, you already played three games. So now you just become part of the team. So having said that, it means that the responsibility comes on the individuals and everybody has to understand now you That's why I said when Gunnar made that comment, it wasn't a guy speaking out of um, not knowing. It was someone kind of giving you a wake-up call that has so much experience. And that's why, like, we don't see it that often, but I have to say, hey, this is what we all that we all discuss in the dressing room, and he clearly just did it on camera. Excuse me, Jules. Could this be a problem going forward for Barca? As Shaka says, as much as we're so impressed with the youth and them playing without fear, that there aren't enough leaders within that camp. I mean, let's not forget that they were without five key players, five starters, really, when you think about it, between the young Pedri, Kunde, Lewandowski, and let's say Rafinha in that starting 11. And I don't know if all of them are leaders, but you would think that Lewandowski is, you would think that the young is. Pedri might still be a bit too young, yeah. Rafinha has maybe not been at the club long enough and maybe doesn't have that kind of personality. Kunde maybe a bit similar, but still, I don't, I don't think they will be short in terms of leadership. Um, so we will have to see. I don't know, for example, how the, the rest of the squad has, has coped with the, with, the, with the comments from Gundogan. Is, is this hurting? Did they have like a meeting today where they said to Gundogan, hey, listen, if you, if you thought that was the case, you were, you were wrong or because we cared or you know, something like that. I, I hope that after something like this, the outcome is, is positive more than why is Gundogan saying this, you know, and maybe mm. confronting him or telling him like, hey, I didn't like your comments after the game. I was as disappointed as you. I don't, I don't know, anything like that. Or you've been here five minutes, this is your first Classico, and you're talking like if you've been uh, a veteran of Classico. I, I don't know. I just hope that the, the most positive would come out of this. But I do think that they've got a leader. But, but maybe he, f he felt like he had to step up after the game in the flash interview to say, hang on, I feel like I need to have a, a leadership message here for everybody at the club. Uh, just a reminder, other news coming out of Spain today is that Luis Robles has been given a three-year ban uh, by FIFA. He, of course, is the former uh, Spanish chief of the FA. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Uh, meanwhile, the disgusting scenes we saw, of course, yesterday in Marseille, epitomised by the front page of Le Keep, disgust and shame. Uh, Fabio Rogoso, the, uh, the Lyon coach, of course, uh, attacked in the bus uh, with the rocks that were thrown at him. And you can see the attention he needed to have um, because of that incident. Jules, I don't know even where to start with it. Like, my, my initial reaction is, why is it always Marseille? Yeah, it's a good question. You texted me last night. You said pretty much the same. It's a very passionate crowd and fan base to, to, to see it positively. They are amazing fans when they behave. But unfortunately, like in, like in a lot of other clubs, you've got a group of idiots who are causing trouble. You know, they, this is a, a fan base that earlier in the season had a meeting with the Marseille president. 
Pablo Longoria and, and threatened him, threatened him to like that things could get bad for him if the team was not doing better. They threatened the coach, the sporting director who have left after that meeting, that very toxic meeting. They, this is a fan base that stormed the training run two years ago to, because they were not happy with the result and, and broke everything in their own team's training ground. So this is, this is, this is not unusual and many times they've threw stones at other teams' coaches, especially Lyon, many incidents. However, again, this is a minority of those Marseille, those usually great Marseille fans. The problem is, it's a disgusting look for their team, for their club. It's disgusting for the league, of course, for French football in general, to have a Sunday night where this is one of the biggest games in the, in the calendar that everybody is so looking forward to, to watching, not just in France, all around the world. And instead, you've got literally a black screen or you have people filling the air to explain why a football coach needed 12 stitches on his face and almost lost his eye because some idiots threw petong boots and stones and cans and bottles and flares and fireworks to the opposition team's coach. Why aren't the authorities catching the people who burnt down the training ground, the ones that threatened the president, the ones who throw the rocks? Why aren't we seeing them do more? It's a good question because I think the, uh, the the power and certainly those Marseille ultras have a lot of powers within their own club, like a lot of ultras around Europe and the world. It's not just in Marseille, but there's this omerta around some of the ultra groups. You've got a lot of clubs who are scared of the ultras in many clubs, many countries. And in Marseille, for a long time, they ran that football club. And even now, they have so much power and so much weight in a lot of the things that Marseille do as a football club that it's difficult to touch some of the leaders, to touch, to go after some of their members and I think surely that club knew or still knows now the troublemakers in those ultra groups I don't think it would be difficult to find the way the Lyon bus was ambushed exactly and that roundabout way was ambushed other clubs have been there before Lyon themselves have been there before being ambushed in the same way so don't tell me that Marseille could not have sorted this before don't tell me that the security can't have been higher considering this was a, a game considered with high risk in terms of security there was an escort from the police but not a not strong enough escort to to make sure that the Lyon coach and the Lyon players would get safely to the ground it's a 10 minute ride from where they were to the stadium and yet in those 10 minutes you can't tell me that those 10 minutes can't be safe for a, a for a coach to drive through a city like Marseille this is this is unreal really and I think I'm not even sure what the club is going to do now because this happened outside of the stadium so this is not the club's responsibility so the club will, won't face any sanction from the Federation of the French League. No points docked, no fine, no, I don't think any stadium suspension or behind closed door because it didn't happen within the stadium. This is all a matter for the police to deal with trying to find out who caused that trouble, who threw the stones and the boots and everything at the coach and try to prosecute them. This is it. Footballing-wise and sporting-wise, nothing else will happen in this, which again, just blows my mind. So where's the deterrent, Jules? You mean in terms of... Like, why, why if I'm a Marseille fan, why don't I just go and do it again next weekend and the weekend after and just continue th this, this extraordinarily stupid behaviour if, if I don't get punished for it? Well, the, the police have made nine arrests last night. They were searching for more people today. There is CCTV camera uh, in Marseille, but, but certainly not as much as maybe other big cities in Europe, for example. So I don't know how, how far they can go. I, from what the footage I saw on social media, for example, you get a lot of those Marseille fans with either balaclavas, you can't see anything on their faces. So I don't know, unless some, some people get given to the police, this could also be a, an investigation that doesn't really go much far or doesn't go anywhere really so I don't know where even Marseille as a club how you react we saw Pablo Longoria yesterday being very very strong in his statement against his own fans and and the stupidity of what they did which was a good thing far more than the league statement for example which I thought was very very light on Marseille and people were very quick to point out that the current league president is the former Marseille president Vincent Labrune so there's there's clearly a lot of things that has to be sorted out they, they can't get this one wrong Dan this is the thing because it, it pains me I'm so angry that 
we talk about French football again in the negative mm. way because of what happened on Sunday night, and, and rightly so. But this, this league is doing a lot of good things too. But yet we we stuck again on some incidents, and, and again this is all what the what the football is talking about when it comes to French football. So now the league, the clubs, the federation, everybody together has to really act because I don't know if before the sanctions were not strong enough towards some of those fans, not just in Marseille but in Lyon, in Paris, in Saint Etienne, everywhere in Montpellier, but but surely. This this time, this time, they have to take a much, much, much stronger stance. Police uh, escort, huh? Police escort and the buzz ends up like that? Come on, man. I know. Uh, a, lot, a lot more on this, uh, by the way, uh, from Jules on the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast, uh, which, as always, you could check out over on the website. This is not a graphical error. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is Mario with us? Uh-oh. Mario's with us. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, it's all right. We're not going to Shaka to break down. What's going wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> Five points in your opening eight matches, uh, Mario. It, like Every week, you feel like it can't get worse. Mommy! It just did. <laughs> you know, like, when I, when I go back to my history, you make me really feel... Normally, I have a lot of great moments, you understand? Like, I won the double with Ajax, but this is far from the double, my friend. This is a team that is like, you know... How can you go that They are the bottom of the league. That never happened in the history of, of like, even my... Let's say it my time, because I, what happened before is not my journey. But now, seeing that, and then also, uh, I, I spoke to the coach that they hired now, Johnny Van because we go to a similar kind of like more, a lot of the pros go there that recently playing and are retired go to a similar kind of treatment we go like uh, the physiotherapist so whenever I go home I always go to the clinic and I bumped into him and he came back um, because he was an old Ajax player and I used to go to the stadium to watch him play and then he said he came back because of uh, you know family reasons he wanted to spend some time in Holland and he took the job the job recently came to him, like he took it, what, yesterday? He accepted the take and then he said, yeah, I want to help my club. Because he knows how much turbulence is happening in that in, at Ajax now. It's, it's, it's almost like it's so sad that people are looking at each other and they don't know what's happening. While it, it's not that you don't know what's happening, it's that you, you are allowing things to, to give people opportunities where you have to be crucial, and that was how Ajax was. They would not just give you a job there and there and there, just out of reason. No, guys. This is a club that is on the downfall, and that's bad. I don't like it. There's so many new players. Like He even said, like, oh, I have to bring the confidence back. When a coach says that, i got to bring the confidence back to my team, then you know how far you are. You're getting relegated, Mario. Yeah, but I don't think I'm not there yet. Then take right. it easy. My mind, <laughs> no. my mind is is thinking about it, but I'm not thinking about relegation. I know the two games that we have is against uh, uh, Volendam. It's it's a very big one because they're very close to uh, Amsterdam, and we call it the Fisher City. So being that close, they are also not really in a, in a glorious but they feel like, oh, this is our opportunity. And then we go to Herefain. Herefain, we call it more like the farmer's way because it's up north, it's higher than us, uh, from Amsterdam. And they they are always uh, playing really well against us. But still, it doesn't matter. Those two teams are beatable. But the thing is, the situation where Ajax is in now, yes, then you are right. I am very scared. <laughs> so he's, he's not thinking, but he's thinking about it. Mario needs a hug. <laughs> yeah. Somebody hug Mario. A big hug. Uh, a big hey, hug. I need, hey, man, guys, man, come on, give me the future hug, man. <laughs> My teams are getting beat up. All right, we'll send Craig to cheer you up. <laughs> That'll help. Uh, just a reminder, as we say thank you to Mario, that uh, ESPN FC uh, is available over on YouTube. Be sure to go over there. Picture small, disappointing. Uh, go oh, over there wow. and subscribe. Well, it used to be big I know. last week. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah, look, you can hardly see me. That brings us to the end of uh, today's show. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. Uh, extra time is next. Jules back with us along with the boys.
Welcome to the latest edition of Extra Time. I just heard our director shout, look up. And yeah, I can only assume that was Jules. Yeah. He's had a little nap. Do you have a little nap when you went on the show, Jules? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> look at Jules. It happens to the best I of us. I was listening. I was listening. Long blank. I was listening to everything you said. So good. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. It, happens to, it happens to Jules. It happens. Well, which well. is quite apt because our first question is, did Shaka fall asleep during the Ballon d'Or <laughs> presentation? <laughs> <laughs> that was Shaka. 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 That's only the way Shaka was watching. <laughs> he only falls asleep during the World Cup. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. Yeah, I forgot you fell asleep at the World Cup. Yeah. I, I need... What is it about you lying down at stadiums? <laughs> 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 can't take you to stadiums, Shaq. Can't take you to stadiums. Keep you at home. Sticking with goalkeepers, <laughs> did Emmy Martinez deserve to win the Yashin Trophy? Yeah. I'm not adding any more to that. All right. Well, I think you need to, Shaq. You're the goalkeeper. Uh-huh. Yeah. But when you do your power rankings, he's never number one of like, you know, when we've got not much to do in International Week and we ask you for your power rankings for the goalkeepers. So you, are you saying that the uh, Ballon d'Or-esque award should be based on my power rankings? I'm just saying, if you thought he's the best goalkeeper in the world, then surely he would be number one at some stage during that list. But I don't remember him ever being number one. Normally it's Courtois. I wasn't here immediately after the World Cup. I was off. I was off. <laughs> you alright? You alright? But Jules, Jules told us in a lot of detail that it's not just about the World Cup, it's the whole season. Yeah, yeah, Shaq. Yeah. Well then listen to Jules. Let's play that over again. What's that? And change Messi's name out for Emmy Martinez. Is that Emmy Martinez? Emmy Martinez, of course. Who else is going to win it? Oh, Courtois. No. He's the, he's, he's the, who's the best goalkeeper in the world? Right now? Yes. Not Courtois. Well, because he's injured, yeah. yes. <laughs> so there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of proud of himself. <laughs> Good job, Shaq. Thanks, thanks, You managed. You did the Matrix here. Who would you have as the goalkeeper of the year, whatever it is? Yasmin Yashin Trophy. <laughs> who? <laughs> Yasmin Yashin? Uh, <laughs> I think. Ooh. I think. I think Martinez, uh, the World Cup was great. Obviously, the penalty shootout, everything. I think he's also been a big, big reason why Aston Villa, this season, for example, are flying like they are and keep winning. And even last season, in the second half of the season, when, when, when they qualified for Europe, he was outstanding for them. I don't know if he's really the best goalkeeper in the world right now. If you, if you think uh, an Edison, for example, who's having a great season. If you look even to uh, Testegen too. But I think certainly for this, I think for this Yashin, I was going to say the goalkeeper Ballon d'Or, but for this Yashin trophy, I think he, des he deserves it. But Messi deserved it as well. This is not what I was saying. I was just yeah. saying that there, there's, there's obviously criteria. That's all. Ali got cross with me. Order. I don't like it when Ali is cross with Order. me. Order. <laughs> uh, for Ali. Given what? that Real Madrid beat Barcelona but lost to Atletico Madrid, who are your favourites to win La Liga at the end of the season? Real Madrid. Still Real Madrid. Yes. Um, Atletico Madrid though have a game in hand. They could tie Real Madrid, but I think over the course of a long season, it's still going to be down to Real Madrid and Barcelona because Atletico Madrid will find ways to give away points when it counts the most. Uh, for Ali, who was better in their prime? Mm. Valderrama. Uh-huh. Or Echeverri? Carlos Valderrama. Carlos Valderrama, I think at times around the world, mistakenly, people just paid attention to him because of his hair mm -hmm. and forgot about paying attention to what he did on the field. And perhaps mistakenly as well, he had this slow jog about him that you may have thought, is this guy even moving around? One, you can never get the ball away from him. And two, his passing, his vision, and the delivery of that pass was second to none in South America at the time that he was playing. He was an outstanding talent and an outstanding player. And I think under, undervalued and underappreciated around the world, Carlos Valderrama was outstanding. Would you ever be tempted to spoil that sort of hair, Shaq? Uh, no, Dan. I played against Valderrama once. Yeah. That's my oh, thing there you go. Beautiful. In Miami. Oh. That's, that's all I got, Dan. Okay, well, that's more than usual. Uh, oh, what do you think, <laughs> who do you think, sorry, has a harder life as a pro footballer? It's a good question, actually, Shaka. Who has a harder life, in your time or today? Who has a harder time? Yes. Today. Today? 
Yeah. I, I hate, I would have hated, hold on, I shouldn't really say this because you're going to twist it every which way. I'm not going to twist anything, no, Shaq. Let me say it first. I know you're going to twist it. I would have hated the intrusion of social media. Mm. I think that makes it difficult. I don't know what you think. Well, there's a twist on that. Yeah, I'm just and the saying. intrusions on phones as well. I'm just saying. I know what you like, Dan. I know what you like. Just keep it moving. Wow. Do you agree, Ali? Yes. Although MLS, you get a lot more money these well, days. Well, that's what I was about to say. If you take it to MLS, you're taking now uh, charter flights, where, which was not the case before. Yeah. Uh, training facilities, which was not the case before. Soccer-specific stadiums, which was not the case before. Salary, which was not the case before. So you would have preferred now than Yeah, I, I, would, I would prefer now, and I can just tell you. There is one way of doing or not paying attention to the intrusions of social media. Just don't participate. Mm. Don't participate. You don't have to look at your phone. You don't have to go on, on whatever social media you want or platform. But if there are pictures of you, Doing the rounds. Well, well, <laughs> just go home. Why would go from the stadium to your house and back to the stadium to the training facility and home again. Behave. Be I a do. professional. I, look, I think the money that's in the game right now is, is something that it's it's hard to ignore. And when it comes to MLS, it is far better now. Not just the money, but I, 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 everything. Everything is better now than what it was back then. And so, in my case, in my experience, I will play right now. And in fact, I regret the, the, the idea that I was early to the party about 20 years. Mm. I would much rather be fashionably late and <laughs> fashionably late and enjoying what's going on right now. All right, Shaq, I made up for you. Don't worry. George, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think it's easier to be a journo now or in the past? <laughs> ah, that's a good question. I mean, do you remember in the past, before, like 30 years ago, they had to to call, to to to, to read your their piece to someone typing? Nah, that's not for me. There is, no. Maybe now there's a bit too much on social media and things like that, but I'm, I'm happy how things are now, so I, I will go for now. What if there's a young French journalist coming through, Jules, who's got good connections? How do you stamp it out like Sid Lowe does for Alex Kirkland? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, times have, have flew so quickly for me. Like since I moved over here 20 years ago, it's been it's been crazy. So I, I'm not. Really, I can't remember what your question was. But like, what do you do with a young, uh, better-looking rival? Obviously, <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, Can you yeah, give yeah. me any tips? No. To Jules's point, or his question, I, the complaint I hear from a lot of people today is you can't get close to players mm -hmm. because they have so many, you know, you have to go through an agent and somebody else. And so journalists and reporters can't get close to, to players nowadays. And it's all, it's all package answers as well. Mm. Whereas, Potentially, in the past, you get access, you talk to players, maybe you have a better story. Mm. You, you don't seem at all concerned no. or, See, no, I, or I, interested I, in I, this. I, I never got anything interesting out of any players. Well, but that's, 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 that that's, seems that's like a you that, problem. Maybe that's you, Dan. <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's a brilliant question. <laughs> <laughs> they always gave me terrible answers. That's why I'm here. Uh, for all, how are you celebrating Halloween tomorrow? Are you dressing up tomorrow, Jules? The kids are. I'm, I'm going around with them to trick or treating, but I'm yeah. not. I'm not dressing. But I, I think they got me just a hat, and that's it. That's that's good enough for me. Oh, beautiful. There we go. That's not participating. Uh, Mike wants to know what hat, Jules. <laughs> uh, which hat? Oh, like you know those big yes. black one, like pointy yeah, ones. Yeah. one, curlies. Makes sense. There you are. They're beautiful. Can't mess up that hair. What are you going to do these days, huh? Halloween? Oh, I'm. I'm. Because all your kids have left. Well, they haven't left. Well, well, one of them has, yeah. and apparently had a really good time this weekend at a Halloween party at college. That uh, I hope nothing came out on social media. <laughs> Speaking of the intrusions of social media, well, I am concerned. <laughs> As a parent, I am concerned. This is an interesting part. This got deep. This got. Did you behave this weekend, Alejandro? Um, 
Uh, I, 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 Gregor's still dressing up, and, right. and Melissa likes to dress up. Okay. So, what are you going to dress up as? I don't know. I, last year I was Eeyore. The year before was Winnie the Pooh, so... Wow. Piglet? You don't have anything picked out and yeah, ready I, I, You know, I may be Piglet. I have an Elvis uh, costume. Well, that's got nothing to do with Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> 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 piglet. I, maybe yeah. I'll go with Piglet. Or Tigger. Have you no, still, Tigger. Are you, are you still got a bounce? <laughs> I, could, I could do a little Tigger. Fall over? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's cute, Dan. <laughs> Nothing. What? My kids, are, my kids go out and do their thing. Right. Hand out candy. To yes. The oh, it's very nice of you, Shank. That's it. But yeah. uh, when I say we, I mean, I really mean my wife. Yeah, what are you doing? I stay inside and make sure. That uh, everything's okay. I, I do try to. <laughs> <laughs> everything's I, good inside. I do try to scare the kids that come and and get the candy. May have done that a little too much last last year, and one of the kids started crying. I felt I felt bad about it, but you were dressed as Eeyore. What did you do to him? <laughs> well, I, I jumped out of a bush <laughs> to scare the kids that were coming to get candy. Is that not part of trick or treating? So you're in the bush dressed as Eeyore, and then some kids come and you jump out with them. Well, yes, it's, it's dark, and I jumped out as, as Eeyore, and that they uh, apparently didn't like it wow. too much. I wouldn't see that side of Ali. Eeyore. <laughs> huh? an evil Eeyore you are. Well, you know. Okay, that's... What about you, Dan? No, that's enough. What do you mean? Hey, no, 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 what about you, Dan? I'm, I'm gonna be here. It's all late tomorrow, No, no, no. you're doing the Superman outfit again? It's, it's funny, that Superman outfit seems to have shrunk slightly. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's it's happened. A super Superman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Post 40. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's unimpressed. You remembered, Ali. About 13 years of the same outfit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is it. We are done. ESPN uh, FC will be back. We will not be dressing up. There'll be nothing scary about tomorrow's show apart from. Are you on, Shaq? Nope. No? Nope. Oh, Burley must be on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>